Well, good evening again, and welcome to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home. Uh, we begin this evening, as we do each week, Francis, uh, by introducing you and uh, saying welcome, and uh, how are you this evening? Well, I feel very blessed to be here. It has been a challenging week, though. I have to tell you and my our listening audience that um, that series of tornadoes that came through on leap year day um, went through my hometown of Harrisburg, Illinois, so um, my family and relatives are fine, but I know many suffered greatly. So I ask the radio audience to please keep all those victims of the tornadoes, uh, both in Illinois and Indiana and elsewhere, please keep them all in your prayers. Yeah, we begin this evening, unfortunately, with a somewhat heavy heart. Uh, It's been a difficult week through the Midwest. Of course, uh, uh, at last count, we'd lost 39 souls as a result of the storm. And most recently, of course, uh, a toddler that was found in a field in Indiana was later uh, pronounced dead. Uh, Terribly unfortunate. Very, very difficult week. But it brings to, um, I think, um, the, the forefront the importance and the significance of our relationship with the Lord, our life of prayer with the Lord, and our life of conversation with the Lord. We never know when that call is going to come. We never know what circumstances we might find ourselves in or that our loved ones might find themselves in. And so we intercede through prayer, and we'll begin with prayer as we do every week. Uh, but I want to ask, as Francis has our our audience, to uh, specifically remember the um, the victims, and those are both the dead and the living. So many have lost their homes and their lives uh, as a result of these tragic storms, and we want to lift them up in prayer this evening, Francis. And isn't it consoling to think, you know, as Catholics, we're, we're encouraged to pray morning and night, and, you know, this tornado in Illinois struck at 5 o'clock in the morning, and I, I was consoled to think how many people prayed, you know, before going to sleep, and they prayed the Hail Mary, and, you know, in that prayer we ask Our Lady, you know, pray for us now and at the hour of our death. So I kept thinking, you know, how consoling it is to think how many times we have prayed, you know, pray for us now and at the hour of our death so that Our Lady would be there to intercede on our behalf. But I do have a special prayer for tonight um, for our uh, topic on practicing the presence of God. So let us begin in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, may my motto be, Thou in me, and I in Thee. How beautiful is your presence within me, in the inmost sanctuary of my soul. May my continual occupation be to retire into myself, that I may lose myself in you, and live with you. Amen. Amen. And that comes from Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Somewhere I heard she's a favorite of someone, but I'm not <laughs> sure who that is. <laughs> well, um, I want to start right away then, because uh, with this issue of uh, facing our mortality and facing the difficult trials of our of our daily life, uh, Brother Lawrence is going to lead us into his own journey in that regard and how he moved from fear and trepidation into love. We've said so many times, Francis, in our many conversations now, uh, you and I have both been on this journey for some time. Uh, we both had our experiences, certainly our ups and downs. We've, uh, um, I can only speak for myself. I've had my blunt conversations with the Lord, and he returns with similarly blunt conversations <laughs> with me. Uh, and I get the point that he's in charge, so I pick up my, uh, my cross and I move on. Uh, but it's important, I think, for us to emphasize. And Lawrence would say the same thing. In fact, he will in his um, um, writings this evening that we'll share. This is not an intellectual exercise. You don't have to have a graduate degree in theology or have spent a number of years in a monastery in order to talk about the mystical life. In fact, so many of the great saints uh, who've enjoyed the, the uh, intimacy that we talk about and we read about here Um, were not particularly intellectual people. Certainly they didn't find God in the library. I may have shared this last week when we got together. A favorite saying of mine now has become, uh, we don't find God in the classroom, we find him in the closet. And the closet, of course, is the prayer closet. 
Uh, it's spending okay. time with the Lord. The prayer closet of your soul, right? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> exactly. Turning to the interior life, which we have talked about and I think does bear some explanation. Lawrence certainly is teaching us about the interior life, the life of the spirit. We are spiritual beings. God is a spiritual being, and we must approach him in spirit. Our Lord teaches us this. And so I want to emphasize, uh, most especially, uh, it's not as though Francis and I have some uh, intellectual capture on the market here. Uh, we share our own experiences, flawed and faulty as they are at times, and our understanding, uh, limited as it might be at times. So we very much encourage and appreciate others who are on a similar journey and want to participate in this conversation now, uh, either in writing or um, if um, if you choose to uh, call in and, and participate, uh, we certainly are in, encouraging you to do that. But let's begin, uh, Francis, if we can, this evening, because I said a moment ago, we want to move from this idea of fear and trepidation. Where Lawrence certainly began his journey when he entered the monastery, we've gone through the history now a couple times of his running away after the war and trying to become a hermit and then eventually finding himself in Paris and uh, at a Carmelite uh, a monastery at a Carmel, uh, and beginning his life as a brother. He says, I began in fear and trepidation. I thought that they would skin me alive, he says at one point, and, and certainly they would drive me out. But the Lord's leading Lawrence along a different path. And let, let's hear what he has to say about that uh, path just quickly. Uh, okay, he says, Since God was leading him more by love than by fear of his judgments, so too all his spiritual conversations were aimed at inspiring the same love, breaking the least attachments to creatures and putting to death the old man to establish the reign of the new man. And here's the quote from Brother Lawrence. If you want to make progress in the spiritual life, he would say to his brothers, pay no attention to the beautiful words or the subtle discourse of the wise of the earth. Woe to those who look to human knowledge to satisfy their curiosity. It is the Creator who teaches the truth, who instructs the hearts of the humble in a moment, and who makes them understand more regarding the mysteries of our faith and of the divinity itself than if they had meditated on these things for many years. So there's hope for all of us who don't have degrees in philosophy and theology, right? <laughs> exactly. And, and the other point that Lawrence is stressing here uh, not only the uh, the idea that it's not by beautiful words or theology or the the uh, uh, great philosophical thoughts. There's no uh, reason to diminish those. Of course, there are. Uh, uh, there's a need for uh, uh, a deep intellectual understanding of these principles to address so many errors uh, that modern society, quite frankly. Uh, would have us fall victim to. And so there's a need for that. We're not diminishing that in any way. But on an individual level, we are asked to engage our Lord in intimate conversation consistently every day. Frequently. Yes, frequently throughout the course of the day. And we are ultimately drawn into that relationship the way all human beings are ultimately drawn into a relationship. And that is not by fear, but by love. And love, at the end of the day, isn't something that can be taught. It can't be intellectually grasped. It has to be experienced, mm -hmm. right? Right. We love because we were first loved by the Father, and we know that. And, and we find out how much we love by how much we're willing to sacrifice for that person. Exactly. We, we get a, a sense of our own commitment to that experience of love and our willingness to return that love. And that comes, again, uh, not by fear. Lawrence had fear um, because he had had a rather difficult life and we, uh, um, he, like so many of us, had made more than his fair share of mistakes. <clears throat> and he thought that the path to return to God initially was penance, right? This is why he became a hermit and ran away uh, from society and thought, well, I'll just punish myself and God will find me acceptable. And when that didn't work for him, he went to the monastery, but he still had this sort of uh, Pelagian, uh, if you will, perspective. Wait a minute, that, wait a minute. you got to tell us what that means. Well, <laughs> it, it just means he, he viewed God in, in a very sort of, uh, dictatorial is a rule book, and you break the rules, and I, I come okay, down. Okay, God of justice. Yeah, God okay. of justice, exactly. <clears throat> and and so he he presented that image to himself, as we all do, right? We all create these images of God. We think we know what God wants of us. I uh, I thought it was uh, interesting. I won't say who said it, but someone said last week. You know, I finally decided to give up on my image of God. <laughs> That's a nice, a nice yeah, insight. Yeah. And maybe I'll find out who he really is by consequence. But 
Um, you know, God wants us to discover him. He wants us to to join him in this intimate relationship driven by conversation. And the only way that's going to happen is if we eventually move away from fear and we move to love. Right. And, you know, I, I want to ask everybody who's listening, when was the last time you talked to God inside your soul? I mean, because when I say, where is God? A lot of people will think, you know, he's up in heaven, he's out there, he's in that person, whatever. But how few would respond he's in me, you know, in yourself. So, you know, ask yourself, when was the last time you actually did speak to God interiorly, inside your soul? I, I, I kind of like to think of uh, my soul as my adoration room, <laughs> and then I can speak to him with that um, kind of a mental help for me. But so I challenge you to really take it interior, not, not thinking like you're speaking to someone far, far away. As St. Teresa Valva tells us, he's, he's very near, he's inside, you know, so, uh, let's think about that. Lawrence goes on in this next paragraph, by the way, where you were reading from, and we're still back actually in this case in the eulogy. Um, and uh, uh, of the book, yeah, and, and Beaufort, Father Beaufort is writing, and he says it was for this reason. Though I'm leading off of your last sentence, Francis, a divinity itself. Uh, well, let me go back. It is the Creator who teaches the truth, who instructs the hearts of the humble in a moment, and who makes them understand more regarding the mysteries of our faith and of the divinity itself than if they had meditated on these things for many years. And he's referring to intellectual meditation. Um, it was for this reason that he, that's Brother Lawrence, carefully avoided answering questions of idle curiosity, which lead nowhere and only serve to en- encumber the mind and dry up the heart. So we have to, we have to caution ourselves about this uh, need to uh, seek the Lord through reading. And Francis, you and I have both talked about this before. We both have fairly... Um, you know, robust libraries of, uh, of books. But that's because we're teaching other people, right, Francis? Isn't that the <laughs> justification that we use? I hope it's not out of curiosity, Mark. I hope it's for a hunger for the Lord and a hunger for a way to radiate his love to others around us. <laughs> but we have to keep in mind, as Brother Lawrence is teaching us, this practice of the presence of God isn't just uh, uh, an intellectual exercise. And in fact, it is not primarily an intellectual exercise. We have to enter into that relationship. You know, we talk about prayer all the time. We talked about it at the beginning of the show with regard to uh, the impact uh, of the tragedies of this week and our desire to reach out and do something uh, to make uh, some sort of uh, a, a contribution to lifting the burden off those who are suffering so much. And we know at the end of the day the most significant contribution we can make is prayer. And why is that true? Because when we do that, we hand it over to the Lord. And at the end of the day, he's the only one who can heal the suffering and the trial and the tragedy that's occurring as a result of these terrible storms. And so Lawrence is telling us, don't look for that experience in curiosity, in questioning. You know, we fall victim again to uh, so many things in modern society. We get drawn off the track, if you will, into these debates and and uh, 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 dialogues back and forth about so many issues that we forget the central theme of the issue. And the central theme is learning to love, purifying our love, entering into an intimate relationship with the one who loves us, and learning how to love from love itself, and that's God our Father. Right. And you said this wasn't an, an intellectual exercise, but it certainly is one of, of faith. And you have to have great faith to practice this presence because you take a leap uh, you make a choice with your will that says i believe in god this omnipotent loving father and i know that he will take care of things so i mean brother lawrence of course had lots of people come to him with problems people that sick financially broke whatever and you know he prayed for them and he trusted that god would take care of them he had this great faith his faith was so strengthened in his life that he um he almost said he had no faith because he felt god's presence so tangibly that uh, he wondered if he had any faith left. Yeah, and he would say, of course, Brother Lawrence is famous for saying this This is his anchor, right? I mean, this is what held him together in the most difficult times. And this is now in that 10-year period that we talked about last week where we will all have some desert experiences, right? We'll all go through those dry phases. And he would talk about 
the importance of faith. Faith is all that he had to hold on to in that moment, right? right. What does he say about that? He says, oh, faith, oh, faith, oh, admirable virtue that illumines our minds and leads us to the knowledge of our creator. Amiable virtue, how little known you are, and even less practiced, even though knowledge of you is so glorious and beneficial. Yeah, and you said something a moment ago with regard to the intellect, and we know St. John of the Cross, when we went through the series that uh, we did on him, uh, teaches us, and St. Uh, uh, Augustine, of course, teaches this, and uh, Aquinas, um, faith does not diminish our intellectual capacity, and we don't overcome reason. Reason supports faith through reading and and, and understanding. Reason supports faith. But we do reach these moments where we simply accept. We accept in faith what it is that we understand now, not in our minds, but in our hearts. Mark? And in that way, faith perfects our intellect, which is what John talks about. Yes? You have Ken from Arkansas on the line. Oh, great. Good evening, Ken. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> so far, so good. I just wanted to let <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> now, Ken, I have to ask, were, were, were you all, I know you were, I know the state was, uh, were you in any way affected by the storms? No, uh, they went just a little north of where I live. Well, good. I, I'm glad you weren't, I'm get, glad you weren't impacted by that. Yes, we, we tend to have the storms. I'm in the mountains, and for some reason, they, they tend to skip over this area. Uh huh. Which is another good reason for me to stay where I am. I felt, <laughs> felt for the folks that well, were caught in southern Missouri, though it hit several places there. Uh, right. It was it was hard on folks. Yeah, yeah, it was. Well, well, thank you for joining our conversation tonight, Ken. What what uh, did you have a comment or question? Well, I just wanted to share something about Brother Lawrence and my own experience with him because I very much appreciate the conversation and talking about him and his spirituality and what he taught in such a simple and direct way. Um, It's been about four years ago now, and it was actually an Episcopal priest that introduced me to Brother Lawrence. I was really sick, and... I had a hard time concentrating because of the illness, but I needed something to focus on. And I went to talk with this Episcopal priest, and I told him, I said, I need something that's simple and something that's direct that I can just look at and not be distracted and just focus on that one thing. And he just immediately reached to a bookshelf and pulled down a copy of Brother Lawrence. That was my introduction. I have a friend who is a retired priest, and he told me one day, he did, I don't think he knew that he actually put Brother Lawrence just in a nutshell, but he said, uh, you know, there were a lot of people that had uh, come up with a great many complicated spiritual exercises, trying <laughs> yes. to draw closer, yeah, <laughs> trying to draw closer to God. And he said, and the Carmelites, they just cut to the chase, and they just love God. Exactly oh, I'm so glad you're making this point, Ken. <laughs> I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Well, it's, it's people complicated, and I guess for some people it needs to be complicated, because um, <laughs> obviously people get different things out of different things. But I've gotten an awful lot out of Brother Lawrence, and it is really simple. Well, thank you for that comment. It's uh, it, it's great to hear validation, especially we talked about at the beginning of the uh, the uh, program, of course, that the issue of trial and tragedy and taking on crosses in our life and you found that in the midst of a trial in your own life and you know it's so often that's the case francis isn't it that we find ourselves searching for answers in the midst of the most difficult circumstances of our life so many people say why do i have to suffer why does god allow these difficult things why do i always have to you know carry these crosses and the fact of the matter is can we know you are a witness to this it's in those moments that we genuinely stop and we turn back like the Israelites in the desert and we say, where is God? Where is God in this? And don't give me a theological dissertation on it. I just need to have you understand uh, or need to understand where is he in a way that I can come into communion with him, come into conversation with him, and he can enter into my life and begin to have an effect on my life. And can I agree with you? I think Lawrence is a perfect model for that. Did you have anything else you wanted to add, Ken? Uh, 
No, I'm just glad you folks are there, and I'm glad you're talking about Brother Lawrence. I wish more people knew about him, and you're going to help people know that. Well, thank you. We're glad you called in, and please call back again, okay? Okay. You folks have a good evening. God bless. God bless you, Ken. Thank you very much. You know, he hit on a point that I, I feel so strongly about, too, is that we've got to be able to reach God in our lives at any time, at any place, in any situations. If it's going to be a difficult step-by-step method, then it's not for me. I've, I'm too little for that. Yeah. I need something simple. And, boy, practicing the presence, I don't know how much more simple it can get. You know, uh, listening to Ken make the comment about the Carmelites have it so simple and so direct, and they cut to the chase, and his comment then was, they just love God. Who do we learn that from? Which favorite Carmelite saint that you're familiar with, Francis, do we learn that from? My mission is love. In the center of the church, my mission is love. Oh, Therese. Therese And you know, I wonder if Therese would have read Brother Lawrence, because he's got so many little threads in here that she also emphasizes in her story of the soul. Yeah. And so I keep thinking, oh, she must have read Brother Lawrence. If not, they have the same God, don't you think? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's quite true. And, And this contemplative prayer, this prayer that is so intense in the presence of God, he's infusing this knowledge, and, you know, they're living it out, you know, in the simplicity of their lives. Yeah. And it's affecting us all in a great way. Well, and, and it is such a great message um, that, that can carry it across, I think, very well, the simplicity of Brother Lawrence's message. He was a simple man. Now, uh, I I wouldn't necessarily say he was, uh, was a, a, an uneducated man. He wasn't a person who'd gone to university or anything, but he was a very simple man. He approached life in a simple way. He lived a simple life, of course, in a kitchen and as a cobbler and in the Carmel that he lived in in Paris. Um, but but his understanding, his depth, you know, I wanted to capture one other a point on that previous section that we were reading. Uh, this was also, let's see, uh, but when his superiors ordered him, this is of Brother Lawrence now, ordered him to openly state his thoughts on questions raised during his conversations that he would have with people in the monastery and people who would come to visit him. He became quite a popular figure, by the way, oh, yes. in the monastery. Um, he answered so correctly and so clearly that no one could take exception to his replies. This was also the wise opinion of an outstanding bishop of France, whose conversations with Brother Lawrence led him to speak in his favor, saying that Lawrence had become worthy of God, who truly communicated with him, and who revealed to him his mysteries. This is the this is the point about this simple a man living out a very simple life in a monastery. God revealed his mysteries. Why did he reveal his mysteries? Because Lawrence had read volumes of theological works or, or philosophy. And again, we, we don't diminish the importance of that for those who are called to that mission. But if our call, which it is for all of us, is intimacy with God and conversation with God, Lawrence has taught us the best way. And that's this simple conversation and practice of the presence of God in every minute of our daily life. Yes, and with this great faith, it's um, he goes from this intense faith to a very firm hope in God's goodness and a filial trust in his providence, a total universal surrender of himself into God's hands without ever worrying about what would happen to him after his death. I just like this uh, pr- uh this advancing from faith to hope to trust to surrender. And just by having this intimate conversation with God, we can go those steps, too. Well, I want to pick up on that theme and a couple others that we want to stress in Brother Lawrence's message to us here this evening. Our reminder, you're listening to Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.
Well, Francis, before the break, uh, Ken uh, reminded us of the significance of the message of love. Very simple. We are called to love God. We are called to come to understand what does love mean. And so much of what's wrong with our world, of course, would be healed if we were searching and seeking the answer to that question in our own life. What does it mean to manifest love? What does it mean to become love? This is what we're called to be as human beings. And receive love. And to receive love. This is the full expression of what it means to be human, is to receive love and to give love in return. And that is the answer to the question of why we are here, these deep theological, philosophical questions that we wrestle with day in and day out. Why are we here? We're here to receive love, and we're here to become love itself, to image our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and to understand what that means. And we understand it, as Lawrence came to understand it, through the simple events that happen in our daily life. Again, this is a man who lived, albeit in a, in a great city, Paris, but he lived in the back of a monastery. He had a simple task for many years which he did not like he did not like being in the kitchen didn't care for being uh, in the kitchen but he accepted that as the as the uh, uh, goal the mission that god had given him in this life Uh, and when it became impossible for him because of uh, uh, medical difficulties to stand in the kitchen all day he was given the responsibility as the cobbler which would allow him to sit down and he repaired the sandals in the uh, in the carmel where he lived but Lawrence has a challenge for us in this uh, idea of love, in this responsibility that we have of love. And now I should point out, Lawrence is a, a, a person who lived a full life. Um, he, a long he, life. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't die young. He died uh, quite late in his uh, 70s. Um, and despite that, uh, and perhaps even because of that, Lawrence talks about the fact that he uh, had spent so much of his time, early years in the war and later seeking uh, God as uh, as a hermit and and so many other sort of weaving and bobbing back and forth along this spiritual journey that he leaves us with a challenge. And yes. Francis, I'm going to have you read that to yes, us. Yes, and these are his own words. He's conversing with his brothers uh, there in the monastery, and he would often turn to God, lamenting the time he had wasted in his youth. And, and here's the quote, Goodness ever ancient, ever new, too late have I loved you. And we know that comes from St. Augustine. Do not waste your time, brothers. You are young. Take advantage of the sincere confession I am making to you of my lack of concern for God's service during my early years. Devote all yours to his love. As for me, if I had known earlier, if someone had told me the things I am now telling you, I would not have delayed in loving him. Believe me and count as lost all the time not spent in loving God. Yeah, so what a challenge he lays out for us. Don't waste your time, he says. This is our mission. This is our call. It doesn't matter where we are. In fact, I'm going to read uh, a little bit later. This is um, from a, a text in the same book that we're reading from, uh, the ICS publication of Brother Lawrence's, the collected writings as well as... Um, Uh, his conversations and letters he says this for i possess god we may we may argue francis at times i know i do well gee i'd love to love all the time but i have these responsibilities and these challenges and these difficulties that i have to overcome and i have to do uh, you know things at work or things in the home or whatever the case might be and so we use this excuse sometimes and brother lawrence has an answer for us he says for i possess god as peacefully in the commotion of my kitchen where often enough several people are asking for different things at the same time. Sound like modern life? He had it back then. As I do when kneeling before the Blessed Sacrament. For him there was no distinction. Prayer was prayer. And everything he did throughout the course of his uh, day was a means for him to manifest that prayerful, intimate conversation with God. Now there's a bit of a trap here, and we've talked about this before. It doesn't mean to say, oh, as I wash this pan, um, that's my prayer. 
No, it's doing that in a loving way. It's committing um, the the effectiveness of your work, the quality of your work, the beauty of your work, whatever that might be. It's committing that to God. It's saying, God, I commit this. I consecrate this. I, I uh, offer this to you, and I'll do it the best of my ability with what skills you've given me, and I do it for you. And do we keep that in our mind all the time? No, we begin with that process. Right. He would say, you know, Lord, help me accomplish this tax according to your will. Or when he finished, Lord, thank you for helping me do whatever I just now did. And so he's constantly, you know, making acts of faith going into his soul to that presence, you know, remembering God's presence within him, but also remembering his presence before God, exactly. you know, that the almighty eye that sees you wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Right. So it, it, it's more than just, you know, saying I'm going to give this activity to God. No, it, it's trying to be in God doing it in God. Right. And, and he goes on to say, um, he, he says, this practice of the presence of God must be maintained more by the heart, more by love than by understanding and discourse. Now, these are his words. In the ways of God, he said, thoughts amount to little, whereas love counts for everything. Yes. What does he mean by love? Let's think about that for a moment, because I think it's a critical question. We all wrestle with this, right? What do we mean by love? Well, of course, in our modern uh, uh, interpretation and perspective and unfortunately somewhat tainted uh, perspective on it, it can mean a whole series of emotions or actions or affections or chemical reactions in, a, in, in the human person. That's not love, right? Scripture tells us what love is. Scripture tells us with some precision how we can understand whether we're experiencing love. Love according to 1 Corinthians 13, is patient and kind. It's patient and kind. It's patient with the one that we love, and it expresses and manifests kindness. Then what does Paul go on to say in 1 Corinthians 13? He tells us all the things that love is not. It's not jealous. It's not rude. It doesn't seek its own way, right? Mm -hmm. what, what Paul's trying to get across and what Lawrence is trying to get across is we have to purify our love. We have to seek to purify our love, and God will help us. He'll remove those impurities in our love, those things that are self-seeking, that are self-serving, that are uh, more about what we can get out of it. Yeah, I'm thinking uh, of that business mentality is we're going to do this so that we can so get that. something back. Yeah. <laughs> we can sell more things. We can make more money. We've got to get into a different mindset here. And, and in the context of business, that may be perfectly appropriate, right? We engage in transactions so that we receive benefit from that. Here's what Lawrence would have to say about it. Far from loving God for his own profit, his love was so disinterested that he loved God even when there was no uh, when there was uh, no suffering to avoid and any or any reward to gain, wanting only the good and the glory of God and making the accomplishment of God's will his only paradise. That's Lawrence's perspective on love: patience, kindness, and eliminating all those things that seem to taint our modern view sometimes of love and what it means to, to uh, manifest love to another person. Right, and he's very steadfast with his passions. You know, uh, the anger, the joy, uh, the four passions. I don't remember. the What's the other two, Mark? You're uh, the uh, joy, suffering, hope. Uh, you're challenging me here. Anger. The, okay, well, line. anyway, somebody can call in with us. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking in particular of anger. <laughs> mm. As a parent, you, you get angry at your kids, right, sometimes? And so I... I contemplate here brother lawrence and his equanimity his steadfastness of these passions he's whether it's good times or bad he is um he is smooth he is you know he's not rocky he's not agitated he he uh, is accepting he's abandoned to god in the circumstance and so the passions don't rule over him. He's conquered his passions. Yeah, he says, you know, we look for uh, this this love, this experience of it in so many methods to learn how to love God. We want to get there by, I don't know how many practices, of course, he's drawing from St. John of the Cross there. Mm -hmm. A multitude of methods, he says, makes it more difficult for us to remain in God's presence. And instead, what he opts for is exactly what you've said, this equanimity, this peace, this tranquil spirit, this acceptance, no matter what happens, I forget exactly where the references are, and we'll try to try to get those, but uh, the text talks about, uh, oh, here it is, he, he admired nothing, nothing surprised him, he feared nothing, the exalted idea 
he conceived of God, represented God to him as a sovereign, uh, as sovereign justice, infinite goodness, and the way God really is. Relying on these virtues, he convinced uh, God, he was convinced God would not deceive him and would bring about only what was his for his good, since he, for his part, was resolved never to displease God and to do and to suffer whatever God might ask of him. This sounds so Therese to me, <laughs> because she was content with any place, with any task, and she, her biggest concern was to please God, you know, to do everything for him. And I think Brother Lawrence is doing that as well. Yeah, and he, he looks for, as you said, this equanimity of, of spirit. Uh, in, in order to achieve this state, this desire, Brother Lawrence becomes the epitome of simplicity. I want to read just a couple of sections uh, from that where he talks about, uh, or those writing about him actually talk about um, this simplicity that he adopts. He feared neither death nor hell nor God's judgment, we've said this before, nor the devil's efforts, since they were so pleased uh, to hear such edifying statements. This is his brothers now. Uh, they continued to question him. Uh, uh, when Lawrence reaches the latter stages of his life now, we get, get some sense of how he uh, begins to manifest in the fullest extent this equanimity that we talk about, this peace. As he's beginning to, uh, to um, enter his last days, he's asked by his brothers you know, how he's responding. And he says, I'm doing what I will be doing throughout e- eternity, he says. I am blessing God. I'm praising God. I'm adoring God. I'm loving him with my whole heart. This is what our vocation is all about, brothers, to adore God, to love him without worrying about anything. What a state of mind for a man oh. who now is in the last stages of his own life. Well, I think he was approaching death in great serenity because it's a birth into new life, into the life he's been yearning for all this time to be totally with the Lord. Well, and he says something else um, in his spiritual maxims that's on this same uh, vein here. Uh, I don't know. Do you have that reference as well? Read that, would you, on, on top of the page 39? Yeah. Well, I have to preface it first. He's, he's talking about that there's three kinds of union. Mm-hmm. The first is habitual, uh, when we're united to God solely by grace. Right. And the second is virtual, where we are... We remain united him because of our um, the action uh, that we take, and the third is actual, which he says is a completely spiritual movement, and is one of this great depth. And I think uh, this as more or less the more contemplative stance. So he says, actual union is the most perfect and completely spiritual as it is, its movement is perceptible. And I really caught that. Its movement is perceptible. Why? Because the soul is not asleep, as in the other unions, but finds itself powerfully stirred. So so how do you find your soul powerfully stirred? He goes on to say... It, it's rather, he says, and again, he picks up on St. John of the Cross's statement here, and again... Remember, we're talking about the words of a very simple man, but a man who's seen the mystery, who's been inside this existence, this presence of the living God living within it, and that presence living within him. So this is a man who's experienced deep mystery. And these are the words of this simple man. It is rather, again, from St. John of the Cross, an I don't know what. I can't really explain it. There's no way to sort of articulate in human language exactly what he's saying, but he gives us some clues. This I don't know what of the soul. It is, he describes it, gentle, peaceful, spiritual, respectful, humble, loving, and very, very simple. These are his words. That upholds and incites it to love God. He's speaking about the soul now. To adore him and even embrace him with an inexpressible tenderness that experience alone can enable us enable us to understand that's the key point experience alone we said this early on francis this is not an intellectual event i can't read this i can't have it articulated to me i can't work out the formula if Mm -hmm. you will this is experience and where does the experience come from that intimate consistent practice of the presence of god conversation with god and drawing god into every moment of our life and entering into god's life 
in every moment and every day of our life. And this reminds me of St. Teresa of Avila when she says it's not to think much, but to love much. So we ask everybody, love much, love, love, love. He goes on to say something else here, which I think is very important. We must admit that God is incomprehensible. Brother Lawrence says this. And that to be united with him, we must deprive the will of all sorts of spiritual and physical satisfactions. Now, this is the detachment piece that we learned about in John, and we've, of course, heard in Teresa. Um, but, but Lawrence has a slightly different uh, uh, perspective on it. He's going to give us some insight on it. We must deprive the will of all sorts of spiritual and physical satisfactions so that being thereby set free, he says, set free of all those attractions, it can love God above all things. If the will can, in some respect, comprehend God, it can do so only in love. I like that. We can't intellectually grasp God. We'll try. We'll present an image. We'll create with our limited human intellect this image, this perspective of what God is and how we should react. And the moment we get to begin to do that, God's going to burst. Well, he's going to burst those illusions <laughs> yes. that we have. And that's uh, good because it's God. <laughs> and that's, of course, that third um, a piece that John talks about, that third level uh, that John talks about as we ascend the mountain, right? God begins to break up those delusions about where we've sort of positioned him in the box and presented to ourselves what we think God is. Lawrence says, no, no, no. Uh, we can only grasp God by love. There is a great difference, again, Lawrence picks up this theme, between the tastes and the sentiments of the will. Now, don't don't get lost here. He's he's still staying very simple. You can explain this, right? I will. There's a great difference between the tastes and the sentiments of the will and the operations of the same will. Because the tastes and the sentiments of the will are in the soul as their object, terme, terminate, the, the Latin term here, and its operation. Okay, what does that mean? What it means is we desire things the will the human will the most powerful element of the human uh, 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 creature and what and the, the part seeks, of our soul that is free right? because it's our free will free it will seeks and desires and pursues its will right in, in all things only and lawrence goes on to say this and its operation he says different which is properly love terminates in god as its end so what he's saying is when the will is solely directed to God when the will is perfected. When she, when what perfects the will, we know from St. John of the Cross and, frankly, from a number of saints, we know. Charity perfects the will. Our love perfects the will. When our will is solely focused on God, when our only love is God, its termination is then in God, and we begin to move into that spiritual experience that Lawrence is talking about. And that reminds me of the single eye, that single focus of Blessed Elizabeth of the Trinity. Yeah. I'm so glad you explained that line because of all the things that Brother Lawrence wrote, that one sentence for me was a tough one. Yeah, and it, again, it's interesting because we're talking about a very simple man trying to communicate in a very simple way um, and, and express this intimate relationship. He had acknowledges a few lines before, you know, this, I don't know what I'm trying to explain it to you, but I really can't. But he says, you know, I'm going to do the best I can. Mm -hmm. My sense is, and I'll try to uh, um, uh, temper it a little bit and say simply, anything we love for any reason other than God, in other words, if it's not leading us to God, whether it's our spouse, our children, our occupation, our reputation, uh, any admirable goal. We all have very many admirable goals. There are many admirable goals uh, that we Christians and even non-Christians pursue. But unless we pursue them in the context of the love of God, if unless they're done with the singular focus of the will, purity of heart, remember uh, Kierkegaard's statement from last week, purity of heart is to will but one thing. This is why Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient and kind. And then, oh, by the way, all these things, it's none of those things. It's not jealous. It's not rude. It's not boastful. It's not seeking of itself. He's trying to tell us, we, the human person, in our will, have everything we need to be elevated to sainthood. 
What happens is that through the human experience, we put things on top of that. We distract ourselves. We go in different directions. We get sideways. Attached. (laughs) We become attached to those things that are not God or are not leading us to God. Which just enslaves us so that we are no longer free. Now we become a slave of the world or of sin or of, you know, some of the choices that we've made. And the most difficult things to detach ourselves from are ironically not those things that are most destructive, you know, whether it be drugs or alcohol or anything that can lead us violently astray. Those things are obvious. It's as though, um, you know, uh, God's given us a a real big hand if we've fallen into one of those traps because he said, look, you're clearly, you know, not on the right path here. And and we do have the capacity to turn back. It's the more subtle um, attachments in our world that we become distracted by and we find it so difficult to remove ourselves from. This is why, again, I would say St. John of the Cross is so misunderstood because he talks about uh, violently uh, detaching ourselves from these things in a significant way. Scripture says, uh, uh, you know, heaven is taken by the the, the violent storm, right? Right. And and what what Scripture is telling us is we have to deal with any attachment that is distracting us or not leading us to God. That's exactly what Lawrence is saying. Yeah, and he's saying, don't be surprised if you fall. I mean, he was surprised that people didn't sin more than they did already. And he says, well, of course we're, you know, we're, we're weak and we fall. And so we've got to plead for God to uphold us. And he also emphasizes how, you know, God is spirit. So we must adore him in spirit and in truth with humble, authentic adoration of spirit in the depths and the center of our souls. We can all do that. You can do that this moment. You can do this tonight as you go to sleep. Really be thinking about Jesus within you, in the interior of your soul, and adore him there in the monstrance of your soul. Well, and you know, uh, Lawrence, and again, I'm reading from the spiritual maxims. It's important, I think, because you asked this, Francis, uh, last week, I think. Okay, so, you know, give us a little guidance, a little counsel. We've understood it's love. We've understood it's simplicity. Ken gave us that great insight. Uh, we understood that it's it, throughout the course of the day, we want to be conversing with the Lord. But Lawrence gives us about a paragraph here, a very explicit direction, his own perspective. He feigns that he's talking about somebody else, but of course we know he's talking about himself. Uh, And it reads, This person says that the habit is formed by the repetition of acts, by frequently bringing the mind back to God's presence. He says that as soon as he is free from his occupations, and even when he is most taken up with them, again, put him in the kitchen, uh, the recesses of his mind or the innermost depths of his soul are raised with no effort on his part and remain suspended and fixed in God above all things as in its center, its resting place, since he is generally aware that his mind, thus held in suspension, is accompanied by faith, he is satisfied. This is what he calls the actual presence of God, which includes all the other types of presence and much more besides, so that he now lives as if only he and God were in the world. He converses with God everywhere, asks him what uh, for what he needs, and rejoices continuously with him in countless ways. Now, we should emphasize, Francis, I think it's important for our listeners to understand, Lawrence is writing his maxims, having gone through the desert, right? He went through those early experiences, that difficult 10 years early on in the monastery, and he learned that he needed to stay in conversation with God throughout the course of the day. He couldn't leave him. The degree to which he was drawn off by distractions from the world would limit the effectiveness of his prayer time before the Eucharist and would distract him in those efforts in the kitchen and as a cobbler when he was trying to re-engage in that conversation with God. So let's not minimize the fact that this takes time, it takes effort on our part, and we have to remain in that intimate conversation by effort on yeah, our part. I, I tend to think of an example of this would be like, you know, if you get a, a tune stuck in your head, you know, somebody singing a song and it's, or jingle, and that tune just stays with you all day long. Well, if you're practicing this presence, this intimate conversation within, with God, then just like that jingle or that song comes back just, you know, all on its own, it seems. So will this habit as you develop it, but you've got to practice it. And he says it takes time, but it will get better and better. And then you will reap great rewards and benefits from it. In his uh, very first conversation, another selection of writings from this uh, compiled work, he says, uh, 
We must establish ourselves in God's presence by continually conversing with him. Now, that's easy enough to do. We know how to have conversations. And that was, uh, I'm sorry, and that it uh, is shameful to give up that conversation with him, to turn to the foolishness of the world. We must nourish our souls, he says, with an exalted idea of God, and thereby we will draw great joy from being with him. We must enliven our faith back to this faith, for it is a shame that we have uh, so little of it. Instead of taking faith as our rule and our guide, he says, we amuse ourselves with insignificant, constantly changing devotions. This way of faith is the mind of the church and all we need to reach perfection. Yes, well put. So we're right, getting near the end of our hour already. My goodness. And I do have a special closing prayer. Is this a good time for it? Yes, let's go ahead and, uh, and uh, close in prayer this evening. All right. Well, we want to thank our listeners for being with us tonight. We invite you to come back and join us next Monday night. This closing prayer is from Father Gabriel of St. Mary Magdalene, a Carmelite priest who wrote the book called Divine Intimacy. I highly recommend it. Divine Intimacy. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, grant that I may seek you within me, not only at certain moments during the day, but also at every instant of my life. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you again, uh, listeners. We uh, appreciate the time that you spend with us. We appreciate your conversation and communication with us, which we do receive uh, both on the radio and, uh, and following, and we always appreciate that communication. We'll finish with Brother Lawrence next week by getting very uh, explicit direction from Brother Lawrence through the letters that he wrote uh, to a number of people, principally to nuns who came to him seeking spiritual direction. And we'll spend a considerable amount of time going through those letters. So we look forward to having you join us uh, again next week. This is Carmelite Conversations on Radio Maria, a Christian voice in your home.